Rise and shine. It's Dawn and Steve time. Grab your coffee, get your Bible, and let's head to the word. Dawn is out today, but reminder that the Devo, you just need to text the word D-E-V-O to 800-555-7898. Yeah, you guys can pray for Don. I don't know if you heard in the last uh, day or two, but as she was talking on the air, you could hear something in that voice, couldn't you? I mean, if you were listening, you were hearing a little bit of that, uh, well, the junk that uh, sometimes comes around this time of year and uh, whether she picked that up before her trip to India, on the trip to India, on the way back home from that, uh, I don't know. But we're praying that she recovers quickly and is able to get back behind the tiara as soon as possible here. Uh, Briggs, I know that uh, one of the things that you are into is uh, you love to go check out new movies and films. I mean, film is your background, and you guys went to uh, go see a movie yesterday, didn't you? We did, yeah. So my daughter uh, goes to um, American Heritage Girls with mom, and so Tuesday nights tends to be Ben and I's time. And uh, we, if there is a a child-friendly movie, we'll... Try and check it out. Last week we saw um, Wonka, which is very, very well done. And yes. then, uh, have you seen that as well? I have not, but uh, Susie and the kids have, and they have not stopped raving about yeah. it. Yeah, it's done very, very well. And uh, there's, there's gaps in the story into the uh, rest of the Wonka story. I wonder what they're going to be doing with that. But we saw Migration last night, which is a Illumination uh, film. It's an animated version of uh, Ducks Migrating. And uh, there's some there's some humor in there and... Uh, it's basically the the uh, the process of not becoming duck a l'orange is okay. the <laughs> the outworking of it. So um, yeah, we enjoyed that, and uh, we'd wanted to go to our local kind of uh, small time cinema that's been in uh, in where we live for over fifty years, just to see how different it is to the big chain. And needless to say, the chairs were nowhere near as comfortable, but oh, the right. decor was a lot of fun. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, find out where that one is. I don't think we've been to that theater in this area here. But uh, whether you've seen a movie recently or not, there is some uh, interesting stuff that we find in our movies. And a lot of things that are glamorized in those movies are things that Christians would look at and say, mm, yeah. Don't know that we should be glamorizing that. In fact, I don't even necessarily want to talk about that. But we're going to talk about those taboo subjects coming up next hour as Mike Novotny is going to be with us. And we're going to get into it, all sorts of things from uh, adultery, politics, depression, transgenderism, sexual intimacy, divorce, alcohol, suicide, and more. Those are just a few of the topics that we might be touching on with uh, Pastor Mike Novotny, and I think that's going to be a fascinating conversation. So hope you'll stick around for that. Then coming up about two hours from now, Sky Peterson's going to be in studio with us. Uh, you might recognize that last name. Her dad is Andrew Peterson, and uh, Sky's going to be in for Moody Tunes as we meet her, hear the God story, and live music in studio. So I hope that you'll be with us all morning long. And with Don out, that means we got an open chair, open mic, open TRI for you to slide right into. You can uh, join the conversation at any time. Call or text 800-555-7898. That's also the number to text the word Devo to to get this morning's devotional. And as we get rolling this morning, we're going to head to the book of Acts, chapter 26, and verse 19 says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. All right, so... What are we talking about that little verse there? Well, God does everything he does for a reason. And that was the Apostle Paul who was speaking those words. But we're going to back all the way up to early in Paul's conversion story. When God meets Saul, Saul of Tarsus, 
on the Damascus Road, and he meets him there for a purpose. You can read the account in Acts 9. You see, Saul had planned to persecute the Christians, but his encounter with Christ, it changed him forever. And God did more in that encounter than just save Saul from a sin. God began to reveal his will for Paul's life. God's assignment for Paul was clear. He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. God's plan for Paul, revealed through a vision, involved both testifying before kings and suffering persecution. Paul was to enjoy the thrill of performing miracles and preaching to large crowds and starting churches. But Paul also was to be stoned and shipwrecked and whipped and mocked and conspired against and imprisoned. Would we accept this part of his assignment as readily as we'd accept that first part? You know, the miracles and the visions and talking to leaders and kings. But here's the thing. We don't hear about Paul complaining about his commission from God. He never asked that he be given a role like Peter's or James's or, or John's. It was enough for Paul that he be given any task in the kingdom of God. And as he neared the end of his ministry, Paul could boldly state to Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Man, can you imagine to have Paul's tenacity and devotion to the Father's will? What joy there is to not only begin well in the Christian life, but also to end well, to end faithfully. And it's God's desire that each of us could say at the end of our lives, like Paul, I was not disobedient. If you want to copy this morning's devotional, simply text the word Devo, that's D-E-V-O, to 800-555-7898. Again, that's Devo to 800-555-7898, or you'll find it linked on our Facebook page. Well, with that uh, accent there, Briggs, we all know that uh, you're from Kentucky. Yep. UK. UK yeah, big absolutely. Dawn well, will love that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a, a different the, UK. The original UK. Exactly. The one and only, or the formerly original UK. <laughs> Yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm sure that you noticed is that uh, here in the U.S., we tend to make the Super Bowl a pretty big deal. Now, I'm wondering, you know, being from the U.K., the original one, is it as big of a deal globally as it is in the United States? I mean, when you were living in England, was was the Super Bowl something that the, the British look forward to? Not growing up, but as I got older, it became more of a thing. Because, of course, it's middle of the night there. Oh, sure. So um, there were um, swells of those that did get into it. And as I've gone back over the past few years, there have been more and more people that have talked about it to me that I had no idea were um, following it and watching it. And and so the, and the other element of that is, of course, that the NFL has started doing games in London. Right. And so um, at the Tottenham Stadium in, in central London, I, th- I don't know if they've done anywhere else other than London, but they've been sold out. So they're really uh, taking big steps into, uh, into that world. I had a friend at school who was big into American football. He would travel quite a distance to go and play it. Okay. Um, so 
Um, I still prefer rugby and uh, the original um, version of it, but that's another story. Well, another story for another day, and uh, <laughs> we'll could probably continue to have that ongoing debate uh, in the studio here. But one of the things that, as you point out, the NFL has really tried to do is turn this into a global game. And one of the things that we see happening during this window between the AFC and NFC uh, you know, championship playoff games and the two-week period between the, that and the Super Bowl is you get all these human interest stories and a lot of opportunity for the players to do a lot of press, a lot of media, and we're going to be hearing more and more uh, you know, fascinating stories about the players that will be playing coming up in just a couple of weeks now. But there's one that I'm really kind of fascinated by, and it's a, a player that a lot of people have been throwing a lot of shade at uh, the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy, gets 24 years old, got drafted uh, two years ago. He was the very last player to be drafted in that year's draft. Mr. Irrelevant is what they, they call that guy, the one who is the very final draft pick. Now the starting quarterback. He began starting last year in his rookie year. This year he was the starter all year long, and he's setting franchise records, passing records. Over 4,000, he's ranking fifth in the NFL right now. NFL MVP finalist this year. And people are throwing all sorts of shade at him, which I don't get because this guy just keeps winning. And then you keep hearing about how nice of a guy he is too. And the fact that people just seem to love this kid. And his team loves him. And he's leading them well. The 49ers 17-point comeback that we just watched this past weekend, that tied for the largest in the history of the NFC Championship game. And so people were asking what happened at halftime. He said it wasn't a big rah-rah kind of thing. Nobody was, you know, freaking out about that either. It's just a lot of experienced guys on the team, veteran guys, he said, who have been in crazy situations like this. We knew we just had to do our job. But a little bit later in the press conference, he was asked how his personal journey got him ready for this game. And the second half in particular. And I loved how he answered the question. He was really quick to give credit to God. This is what Brock said. He said, honestly, I think it's just a testament to God and where he's taken me in life. I've never been the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, or any of that. I feel like I've always had to sort of fight for what I get and work for what I get. But God has given me the opportunity. Whether that was in high school or college and then obviously in the NFL, Getting drafted last, people overlook you and all that kind of stuff. And then all you need is an opportunity and then watch and see what he does. I put my faith and my trust in him and he's gotten me to where I'm at. So when I'm down 17 at half, honestly, I'm just thinking, all right, God, you've taken me here. Win or lose, I'm going to glorify you. And that's my peace. That's my joy. That's my steadfastness. That's where I get it from, and that's the honest truth. So I leaned into that, and sure enough, we were able to come back. And I love how bold and outspoken he's been about his faith and how that impacts his football career. You know, if you were to read his bio and social media, he describes himself as a believer in Christ and a follower in Jesus. And talking about that relationship with Jesus, I mean, he goes gospel 
not just good person. He said, I believe that Jesus did come down. He died for my sins. He rose again. He's living and sitting beside God the Father on the throne. And I so believe that. It's not just some sort of fairy tale thing. It's real, and it allows me to stay level-headed and real with life. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from Brock Purdy in the next 10 days or so before the Super Bowl is played. And we may even you know, have some human interest stories that the big networks do on him. I hope that they don't leave that part out because that is really what makes Brock Purdy who he is. Finds his worth and identity and peace and all of that in his relationship with Christ. And I hope that we continue to hear that part of his story in the days to come. 27 after the hour, and glad you're with us here. You heard about Reacher? It's a show that's streaming on Amazon. And I'm not saying that it's good, that it's bad, that you should watch it, or that you should not watch it. That's between you and God, right? But, and I'm not even uh, want to have the conversation about Alan Richards. Uh, Alan Richardson, who plays the title character, is his faith that he professes in Jesus genuine? Is he a real Christian or not? Because, you know, he's been taking shots from people you're saying, hey, you're calling yourself a Christian, then you're on a show that's doing that and a character that's doing that. That's another conversation for another day. But one of the things that is extremely, extremely uh, fascinating to me is the fact that people love this show. And the evidence is clear. According to uh, the rating services, the TV series, which is based on the Lee Child, uh, Lee Child novels, about this former MP, he travels all around the country, doesn't have an address, doesn't have very many possessions. It's racked up 1.7 billion minutes of viewing in just the first three episodes. To give you an idea, there's 525,600 minutes in a year. So that means in the first three episodes, people have spent... Right around 3,234 years in viewing these early episodes. All right, I say all that just to give you the context. Like, this show is a massive, massive hit. And there's something about the show that people are identifying with. And one of those things is Reacher, the the lead character, and the fact that he seems to not be encumbered by material things. Like I said, he doesn't really have an address. He travels all around the country helping people, almost doing a little vigilante justice kind of stuff, bone-crushing justice to, to the bad people, right? So he's, he's doing all that. And the lifestyle that uh, he has, a lot of people are saying, man, I would love to do that. People admire that, maybe even envy that. And I was reading uh, an, an article just recently and the author of the article was pointing that out, and he's saying, man, that looks so intriguing and tempting. And then he realized he has a brother who's doing almost the exact same thing. And he said one of the things that was so fascinating about that is that he realized that you can have an abundant life without having an abundance of things. And that is one of the things that he's speculating that people are kind of recognizing, whether they're able to verbalize that or not, they're recognizing the fact that, well, there can be an abundance of life without lots of stuff. We've been trained to think kind of the opposite, right? That abundance means we've got a really big bank account or a really big house full of lots of stuff. 
bunch of cars in the garage, maybe a boat and all that. But that's not necessarily what abundance is. I mean, I mean, that's one way you could look at it. But the abundant life is so much more than that. That's too limited of a definition for an abundant life. You can look around and find abundance all around us. So my question to you this morning is, where have you noticed the abundance of God's good gifts in your life? Now, it might be in material possessions, but it might be in relationships. It might be in health. It might be in some other area, some other way. I'd love to know this morning. It's kind of a way to maybe take a second and be aware and to be thankful of what God has entrusted and given to us. What's a way that you've seen abundance around you recently? 800-555-7898 to call or text in this morning. That's 800-555-7898. Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. That is mercy me to not worship you. It's Don Steve in the morning and glad you've tuned in this morning. You know, in uh, looking at the lifestyle of one of the biggest characters on TV right now, Reacher, who's walking around without a lot of abundance of things, free from material possessions, doesn't even have an address uh, to speak of. One of the things that uh, people have resonated with that is just what seems like freedom, yet because they're not encumbered by by all the stuff, all the things, right? But there's still an abundant life to be had, even like that. We're surrounded by what looks like such abundance in material possessions for so many of us. But my bigger question this morning is, where do you see the, the abundance of God in your life? That's not necessarily in those material possessions. 800-555-7898. Miles, appreciate your text this morning. You said that you've been noticing your abundance ever since you've really begun tithing. I think that's cool that you've seen that. In fact, you know, we see the only time in Scripture where God says we can put him to the test is when we give to him what is rightfully his. He says, see if I don't bless you. Open the uh, the windows of heaven. And bless you with that. And Gina, appreciate your text this morning as well. You're seeing an abundance of love and joy and peace and most importantly, in God's presence and in health. What about you this morning? 800-555-7898. This is Moody Radio. Jonathan Trailer, I trust you here on Don and Steve in the morning. Glad you're along on this Wednesday. Donna's out today. She's out sick. You can pray that uh, she's able to get back in the studio here tomorrow behind the microphone and the tiara. But uh, we're glad that you are here this morning. You know, in thinking about music, uh, there is a song that is celebrating a anniversary here. It's uh, celebrating 75 years. It's the song, How Great Thou Art. Many of us probably grew up singing that in churches. And that was actually inspired by a Swedish thunderstorm back in 1885 and was originally published in America here in 1949 popularized by George Beverly Shea as he began to sing that back in uh, 1957. And that was one of the things where he, uh, because he partnered with um, Billy Graham and the the Graham Crusades in New York, about 19,000 people heard that song sung for the first time there. And now as it's celebrating 75 years, 
they're adding a fifth verse to that song. Matt Redman doing that. So kind of an interesting happy birthday to that song right there. Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio.